ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Sideline Junkies proudly present to you, me. <laughs> it's the big guy, KG. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Sitting in on this solo tip of DC Sports Rundown. Welcome to it. Hope everyone had a great Thursday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, everyone that's listening out there in what the People's Choice Don Rodriguez calls podcast land. Uh, got a lot of things to talk about that are DC. And that's what this show will be all about. Things that are DC. And for those of you that don't know what DC is for, it is the District of Columbia. To the old heads, it's the district. To the young heads, it's the DMV. But everything that can possibly be said sports-wise about the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C., pretty much going to be said tonight. So let's kick it off. Um, the Caps are playing the Penguins tonight. Uh, Caps 9-5-4 and four are up 1-0. Uh, about four minutes left in the first period. Um, Penguins 10-6-1. So... Uh, Hopefully the Caps can beat the hated Penguins. Uh, they're second in the East right now, so we'll see how that works out. We'll keep an eye on that to see what they can do. Now, let's get into the plate that is this show. A lot of news coming out of Ashburn and down in Virginia with the Washington football team. Uh, if you're joining us here live, on Podbean. Shout out to Podbean for giving us this live platform to use. Uh, but if you are here, you can see what this show is about. And one of the things that's in the the bio of the show is the suspension of the Washington football team's cheerleaders. Now, this is a cheerleading team that has been around since 1962 and originally named the Redskinettes. But they are no more. Uh, the team has the, the cheerleading team has been suspended indefinitely. Um, no excuse, no explanation. Word on the street is the ladies were given a thirty-minute, um, a thirty-minute uh, notice for a Zoom call, and then that Zoom call was about five minutes long with the team president telling them that they were no longer needed. So basically, they were fired. Uh. No explanation. Nobody could answer any questions. That was it. And that was it all. Uh-oh. Yes, indeed. Uh-oh, indeed. Um, now, if you can think back, just last summer, the news came out about uh, inappropriate things that were going on with the cheerleaders. Uh, allegations that a former executive instructed employees to create a video for owner Daniel Snyder featuring clips of partially new team cheerleaders. Now, they they had a calendar, a photo shoot with nothing but body paint. And this is when the whole body paint and calendars was, was hot. Uh, I remember when Sports Illustrated did it uh, for the swimsuit edition, one of the best swimsuit editions I've ever had in my life. And I think I still got it if I dig hard enough. But the out clips, well, I'm sorry, the outtakes, those clips that didn't make it into those DVDs were said to be set aside for 
Daniel Snyder to uh, look at for his own enjoyment. And it was photo shoots from 2008 to 2010. And apparently all this news had came out long before 2020, but it was swept under the rug. Okay. So it was two videos made from those outtakes and some private parts were exposed. But um, it, it just, it didn't work out that way that they didn't get away with it. Uh, said that um, even Larry Michael had something to do with it. So you had 15 women come forward with allegations of sexual harassment. Uh, Larry Michael wound up retiring. Who He was the play-by-play man for he replaced the great Frank Herzog in the booth. And then uh, Alex Santos was fired. Guys in the front office were fired. You know, it's just a lot of things is going on in D.C. in the front office that wasn't football related. So that it came out, Daniel Snyder paid a former employee, I think it was $1.6 million in a settlement after sexual allegations came out. So <laughs> it's a lot going on. And then all of that, the team retires the Redskin name. They go to the football team. Now you have the cheerleaders being fired. You got guys in the front office getting fired. It's just a lot of things going on on the business side that are coming out. And now it seems like that negativity is bleeding over to the football side because a article, well, let's stick on the business side first before we jump into that article. On the business side, the minority owners, with all these things that's coming out because Daniel Snyder is the majority owner, the minority owners wanted to sell their stake. And I think their stake was about 20%. And I think it's uh, three owners that own 20% in the Washington football team. And they were offered, I believe, $900 million for their whole entire stake. That was $900 million to be split three ways. That's a lot of money. And they said that Daniel Snyder intervened and nixed the deal. Now, this is not hurting Daniel Snyder's pockets. He'll just have another minority owner to deal with. But uh, they say, oh, Danny boy, um, nixed the deal. So next thing you know, they're filing suits over in New Delhi, India, of all places. And a familiar face of... Washington, the Washington football team, and that's Bruce Allen, who was the GM for 10 years here. Uh, Also, football royalty in the D.C. area. For those of you that are too young to know, he is the son, one of the sons of the great George Allen, former Washington football team head coach. Um, But he made, well, he exchanged 87 phone calls with the firm at the center of the Daniel Snyder defamation suit. Um, now, this is according to A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports. Allen had dozens of conversations over a number of months with John Moag, 
Moag. M-A-O-A-G, uh, the founder of Moag and Company, the Baltimore-based firm which has hired, which has been hired by minority owners Dwight Shaw, Frederick W. Smith, and Robert Rothman to facilitate the sale of their 40% stake, it's a 40% stake, what those three, not 20, of the Washington football team. Perez reports that reports Allen and Moeg exchanged 87 phone calls for a total of, of more than 22 hours of conversation. Conversation that took place over a 10-month period from January to November 2020. Now, here's the thing. Oh, Brucey got fired in December. Him and Danny Boy wasn't seeing too well towards the end of uh, 2019 because after a loss in Dallas, they crossed paths, didn't speak to each other, and just kept it moving, you know. And they weren't getting along very well. And then Danny Boy fires him in December. Ron's hired in November and in January. And the rest they say is history. You dig? And it's crazy how things are starting to fall together. And it's like the pieces of the puzzle are starting to be put into place. Now, according to an 18-page filing in a New Delhi court, New De- it, it blew my mind that it was in all the way over in New Delhi. The two ex- also exchanged texts and emails that proved the pair were focused on a negative on negative publicity directed at Washington owner Daniel Snyder. Now, like I said, Allen was fired December 2019 after nearly a decade. Uh, these new court documents were part of a defamation lawsuit by Snyder in India in which his attorneys claimed the company MEA Worldwide published a series of false stories as a part of their smear campaign. Uh, but Bruce Allen is not the first confident to, of Snyder's to be named in the court documents. Mary Ellen Blair, who served as a, an executive assistant to Washington owner until 2017, spoke to Shaw 157 times on the phone for a total of 11 hours. At Shaw's behest, uh, he told Blair, I'm sorry, Blair at Shar's behest would help him pass negative in- information about Snyder to the media. Uh, in December 2020, which was just two months ago, Snyder filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court alleging he is the victim of extortion and Shar was trying to force him to sell the franchise. The case filed the day after the Washington Post story detailed the $1.6 million settlement that I mentioned before. The franchise paid a former employee over sexual misconduct allegation against Snyder in 2009. Um, But here's the gangster part. Now, this is from the Post. And it's a a screenshot of a text message sent by Moeg, the gentleman I mentioned before who runs the firm, to Daniel Snyder, which he threatened a leak, which, which threatens a leak of damaging information. This is what this cat told Daniel Snyder. If you continue your game, you know what I know and what I've never spoken about. And you know what it has nothing to do about the media shit. It's more serious shit. If you want to you want to get a clean conclusion, let me know. If you want a shit show, we are on for that too. Like that's some gangster shit to say to somebody. And you can't say nothing like that unless you got this nigga by the short nappies. And he got Daniel Snyder by the short nappies. Like he basically told him, 
we can handle this like some gentlemen or we can get into some gangster shit. What you want to do? That's basically what he told him in that text message. My only question is, what does he know that we don't already know? And like you talking about dropping even more bombshells. Like, I, I mean, geez, it's a bombardment about to hit this organization. Like, we're about to have new ownership and everything. Um, But U.S. District Cut Judge Peter J. Messick ruled that despite uh, the dispute belonged in NFL arbitration, not a federal court. So we will keep our eye on that. But that right there, that right there. Um, wow. Danny Boy hiding a lot, a lot of secrets. And you know what's done in the dark always comes to the light. Always. Uh, but we will keep an eye on that. Um, just, just saying. This is absolutely positively crazy. Um, I guess most people think, you know, I got money. I can do what I want. I can say what I want, you know, get away with it. Don't work like that. Not in the real world, baby. Not in the real world. And I, I guess Daniel Snyder has forgotten what it's like to be in the real world. So. Uh, team owner or not, I'm not down for nothing like that. So, moving right along and switching over from the business side to the player side to the field side. <sighs> Alex Smith, he made some comments in GQ that uh, I'm not gonna say rock some worlds, but it it, it rattles some cages. Um, now granted, if you're not familiar with Alex Smith's story, uh, back in November, 2018, he suffered a freak catastrophic injury, um, broke both bones in his legs and his leg. And he wound up having to have 17 surgeries. Then he had, you know, before the surgery, he had a staph infection and an infection that almost cost him his life. His leg first, then his life almost cost him both. And he what almost two years to the day, he wound up back on the football field and was five and one as a starter for the Washington football team. Now, mind you, as a starter for Washington, he's eleven and four. We don't lose very much. I mean, he's a great game manager. 35 years old, don't lose very much when he's here. And he won comeback player of the year this season. But he made some comments in GQ that a lot of people are talking about. And what he believes is Washington never wanted him back after he missed the entire 2019 season. Now, in an interview... With GQ's Clay Skipper, Alex Smith said a very small group of people thought he would actually make it back to playing on the field that apparently didn't include Washington, which had a new head coach and Ron Rivera. Now, I'm, I'm reading this off of uh, the Kansas City Star. Uh, when I decided to come back, this is Alex Smith talking. When I decided to come back, 
I definitely threw a wrench in the team's plane. They didn't see it, didn't want me there, didn't want me to be a part of it, didn't want me to be on the team, the roster, didn't want to give me a chance. Mind you, it was a whole new regime. They came in, I'm like the leftovers, I'm hurt, and I'm I'm this liability. Heck no, they didn't want me there. At that point, as you can imagine, everything I've been through, I couldn't have cared less about all of that. Whether you like it or not, I'm giving this a go at this point. And now, you know, the doctors, his personal doctors cleared him for football practice and uh, football activities, but the team put him on the pup list. That's the physically unable to perform list. And Ron Rivera told reporters that the Washington coaching staff wanted to see how Smith's leg responded to football movements before they felt comfortable clearing him for a return, which is understandable. Because when you have a compound fracture of a bone, especially in your leg, it happened with Joe Theismann. And which is crazy, it was, what, 35 years to the day that Joe Theismann broke his leg. Joe Theismann couldn't come back from it because during his healing time, when he tried to come back, they found out that one leg was shorter than the other. So his bones didn't quite, uh, they healed, but they didn't heal enough for him to be able to resume his playing career, okay? So you get you got to be able to go through all the precautions, and medicine is different now. So you have to be able to go through the precautions. I understand Washington doing that, you know, because I said it during our preseason shows, you know, Coming into the 2020 season, did I want Alex Smith to be my starter? No. And I explained it to the boss, BJ, who's on special assignment tonight, that it's not because I don't think he can play. It's I'm afraid. I am am deathly afraid. And I was seriously afraid of him playing because I was scared to see him injured again. Everything he he went through, everything he went through, just to get back out there and get hurt again. And this time his career ending. You never want to see anybody go out like that. Never. Now, the thing is, and I feel closer to the situation, as do all of us here at Sideline Junkies, because we were there. We were in the building. We were in the stands when he went down. We were watching live. No TV. We watched live. Him going down. So, you know, it's ingrained in our minds and we don't want to see that again. That's not something you want to see. In my 39 years, I've seen Theismann injury twice. And I've seen it from two different angles. I never want to see it again. Whenever I see it, somebody trying to post a video of it, I scroll past it because I don't want to see it again. It's something you don't want to see because you can feel it. You don't want to see that. So I understand why Washington wanted to see what he could do. Okay. Now, that didn't sit well with Smith, who emphasized his displeasure with an expletive during a GQ interview. Now, this is what Alex Smith said. I mean, they tried to put me on the pup for two weeks. They tried to IR me. I felt like I still hadn't had my fair shake at the point. At that point, 
I wanted to see if I could play quarterback, play football. And I feel like I hadn't given up, get, hadn't been given that opportunity yet to find that out. It's like getting this close to the end of the line of a marathon. They're telling you that you can't finish the race. And I think this is where the expletive comes in. It's like, fuck that. I'm finishing this thing. And at least I'm going to see if I can. So I'm thankful we worked through all of that stuff. But no, it wasn't like open arms coming back after two years. Like I said, new coaches, new faces. And I think I definitely surprised a lot of people that never thought I would even be trying it. Um, whew, uh, and then also, Alex Smith, um, he wanted to play in that playoff game against Tampa Bay. Now, we went, Tampa Bay wound up being the world champions. They wound up winning the Super Bowl. But Washington stood in there toe-to-toe with an unproven young quarterback in Taylor Heineke. And they duked it out with him. I mean, duked it out with him. But it just wasn't in the cars. Now, everybody say, well, what if Alex would have played? But see, Alex had that calf injury. See, you have to think about that. You got to have some mobility in there. Because Heineke made some plays with his legs. If Alex was full strength, and I'm talking about last season full strength, no soreness in the leg, calf's fine, I'd have put Alex Smith out there in a heartbeat. Now, if he was ineffective, I knew I could have went to Heineke. I'm good with that. But now... Alex Smith playing in that game with that sore calf. I don't have him coming out victorious against Tampa Bay. And that's not even hindsight. Because you have to be able to move. This is playoff football. You got to be able to move. Alex Smith wouldn't have been able to move against him. Now, if he was healthy, that's different. He wanted to play. And I mean, that's that warrior spirit. I get that. I get it. Now, he says, uh, Alex Smith told GQ, football-wise, I got more left. I got more to get there, too, so I really do want to get this in the meat of this offseason and see where I'm at and push it. I want to push my body harder. I want to push my leg harder. The harder I push, the harder I push it, it does respond, so I kind of want to go do that. At some point, I'm obviously going to have to sit down with my wife and have a real conversation and do we want to do this. She deserves a ton of input, so we'll see. Sandor just checked in. Every minute Alex Smith is on the field is scary. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Every When he took that first sack against the Rams, when they, quote, unquote, Kyle Allen went out with a concussion. First they said it was a shoulder. Then they said it was a concussion. I'm like, which one was it? But when he took that sack from – uh Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald rode his back like a jockey. And Aaron Donald's not a small man. I held my breath. Every time he was getting punched in the mouth after releasing the ball, I held my breath. That's and I can only imagine what his wife and kids were going to through. I don't know him personally, and I was holding my breath. But now the question after this interview is. Does Alex Smith return to Washington? Now, he's owed $24.4 million. I think that's his cap hit. Now, Washington can save $13.3 million if they release him. 
do you save the 13.3 and just, you know, chuck the rest of the game? <laughs> you absolutely right. Sandor says, rather have a QB I don't like getting beat up than Alex Smith. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I mean, he's been through enough. But now, the question is, is he going to come back next year? I doubt that very seriously. Not here. I think they'll wind up releasing him once the new league year starts. I think they'll go ahead and release him because that contract, whoo, that contract, he got that nice extension. He's going to get paid, but that contract, mm, 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 that contract. <laughs> so I, I just, I don't think, uh, I don't think he'll be back here. Yes, indeed. Sandos is believing Riverboat Ron. I do. I do. And every time Ron talks, I, I swear, I just want to find the nearest brick wall and run through it. I mean, I swear. I, I believe in what he's doing here. Everybody say, well, he got a lot of Carolina connections and he's bringing in all these guys that he had in Carolina. I don't care. I we haven't had a winning culture here since possibly Gibbs 2.0. Possibly. Gibbs 2.0. That's the last time we've had a winning culture. And that was short-lived because we only had, what, three seasons of Gibbs 2.0? And then it was the Zorn era? We got a winning culture starting to develop here. Uh, I'm just, I, I, I want to go, I grew up with this team being in playoff contention, at the least playoff contention every year. Now, that's from birth from 81 to 92. So the first 11 years of my life, four Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl wins. You know, that. so I'm spoiled with winning. And then from, from 93 to, what are we in, 2020? Let's say 2020, that's 27 years. How many playoff appearances? I can count. We got... The NFC Championship in 99, NFC East Championship in 99. Uh, we won a division in 2012, won it again in 2015, and then we won it again in 2020. So four division championships and maybe two, three playoff wins in the last 27 years. And Ron is, you're absolutely right, Ron's top five coaches in the league. Players will run through a brick wall for him. At 39 years old, if he told me right now, all I need, all I need, 10 snaps a game, it'd be the hardest 10 snaps I would give for 10 daggone, uh, 10 plays a game. I, I mean, I swear, I guarantee you, I'm coming up with at least two sacks on 10 of those plays. That's all. And look, I love Ron Rivera. I've always loved Ron Rivera. Always. And I think him being here is what, what's needed. He's a discipl disciplinarian. But he also understands the roles that these players have. Now, we're talking about having a Carolina connection to him bringing guys in from Carolina. It's one guy that's been rumored to uh, wind up here. And that is one, <laughs> one Cameron Jarrell Newton. They say we're in the market for a quarterback here in Washington. And uh, Cam Newton's a free agent. He said he would like to go back to New England, but the question is, everybody's saying, do you bring Cam to uh, 
do you bring Cam to Washington? And Sando says, I'm a Bears fan, and the Bears not picking him up makes me a Washington fan. He played when the stakes were high and the pay was low. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He was a part of one of the greatest defenses of all time, and that's the 85 Bears. He got his Super Bowl ring. And, you know, that 46 defense, I thought he was going to bring that here. I ain't even going to lie. I thought he was actually going to bring the 46 here. I was like, we we do that. Now, the 46 was designed to stop the run. But the 46 was effective against the pass, too. And the players that we have now on defense would be perfect for it. I'm just saying. I, don't, I sound giddy, but I would, I'm just saying. But this Cam Newton thing, let me see. Uh, Cam, he played 15 games last year. Uh, 65.8% completion. Only 2,657 yards passing. Eight touchdowns, ten interceptions. Ew, didn't run very much. Only 592 yards. Uh, 12 touchdowns rushing. He took 31 sacks last year. Um, Only lost one fumble. I don't know. I don't know if I would take a chance on Cam. Uh, I'm just... It's just rumors. But I'm I'm I can't do it. I can't. This is not the same cam that I know that I'm I'm used to, so I, I can't do it. So short answer, no, Cam will not be in DC. And you're absolutely right. Players nowadays aren't the same. They're a little soft compared to the guys in the 80s. Of course they are. Of course they are. And you know, this is the era of participation trophies. It starts when they're young now, you know, losing. And if you lost at the youth level, 70s, 80s, 90s, hell, even the 60s, there was no, 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 no participation trophy. Even early 2000s, there was no participation trophy. Oh, yay. You get a trophy because you participated. Yay. No, no. Trophies were for winners. So if the team won a championship, everybody on the team got their own trophy for the championship. Now you get a trophy. Your team went 0-10. You missed out of the, the 12 practices they had all year, you missed 10 of them. And you get a participation trophy. No. No. No, that's that sense of entitlement stuff that this generation has. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You know, I've seen guys get banged up now. Concussions. I get it. You got a concussion? No, please don't go back in the game. You know, we what we know about concussions, yes. I get that. But I've seen guys with dislocated fingers, oh, can't come back. Man, if you don't take a deep breath and pop that thing back in, I dislocate my shoulder on purpose just to pop it back in sometimes. I'm crazy like that, but it's just me. But, no, these players are not as tough as they used to be. Some of them are, but we don't have no real throwback players. Sando says, draft the QB and tank for the next few years. There won't be any fans in the stands to watch. Two-year rebuild, nothing worse than your team being 500. That's true. But even if they don't draft the QB, see, and that's the thing. Drafting at 19, everybody was talking about drafting at 19. You're going to have to trade up because any quality QB and everybody's talking Mac Jones, um, Mac Jones, uh, uh, Justin Fields, I would like to see Justin Fields, just, um, you know, he's tough. 
But I also want to see what this young Heineke character can do. I want to see what he can do if we focus on him. I want to see, I want to bring Kyle Allen back to see what Kyle Allen can do. Uh, <laughs> 15 million a season, I'll deal with a concussion or two. <laughs> He's a bold brother. Woo, you bold, bold, bold. Man. I, I ain't going to lie, I think I would too. Concussion or two, I've had a few. I've had a few. I think I got 15 million, yeah. Guaranteed, yeah, I do. I do. I ain't gonna lie. I'm set. Yeah, y- yeah, you damn, <laughs> you damn right. I, would. I ain't gonna lie about it. Yeah, I do it. But drafting a quarterback, it's a crapshoot. It's a, it's a crapshoot. Um, now speaking of quarterbacks, even though Russell Wilson talking about, you know, he hasn't asked for a trade, but if he was to get traded, he named the play the team the place he would go. Dallas, I think. Chicago was one. Um, Miami. Let me let me let me get this right. Hold on, I gotta get this right. I, Russell Wilson trade demands. Let's see where we at. And the thing is, with Russell Wilson, he has a no trade clause, so he holds all the cards. Uh, the places that he would prefer to go: are Dallas, New Orleans, Vegas, and Chicago. Uh, Fifty-eight million dollar cap hit ain't going away. Nah, not at all. Not at all. And he has a vicious contract. He three years left on a four-year, one hundred and forty million dollar extension that includes base salaries of nineteen, nineteen, and twenty-one. Whew. Money, 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 money. And I, I love Russell Wilson. He doesn't want to come here, and I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Um, Seattle wouldn't be able to field the team. True. I mean, with that type of money, yeah, that, that is true. The thing is, if he goes to the – let's say that he does go to the Raiders. That means Derek Carr is free. I would trade – Derek Carr was on my short list of quarterbacks to come here to Washington. Of course, Deshaun Watson was my number one. Uh, I think I had Derek Carr as my number two. I didn't want Trubisky, Wentz, um, Darnold. I didn't want none of those guys. No, I'm good. I'm good. Wentz is in the best position that he could be in being in Indianapolis because he's under Frank Reich. And Frank Reich is the reason why he was so good at what he did in Philly. Once Frank Reich left, it exposed him. And I've said that for the longest. It exposed him to being, for lack of a better term, shit. But now he's with Frank Reich. I guarantee you. Mark my words, today is February 24th, 2021. I'm sorry, February 25th, 2021. Carson Wentz will have a career year if he stays healthy in 2021. Uh, Trubisky could be okay, especially with Riverboat Ron. Trubisky, he he's a he he's a peaks and valleys guy. Cause he'll have a awesome game and then he'll have another awesome game and all of a sudden the bottom falls out he's back in the valley then he's in the valley for three to five games and he's back at the peak i don't want to deal with that i don't i don't want to deal with that with trubisky i think trubisky gonna need glasses too he might need lasik surgery because he'd be overthrown and missing a lot of receivers he might need lasik you and i could have a good year with the colts shoot 
they get ready. They letting uh they're gonna let T.Y. Hilton walk. That's one thing. They're gonna let T.Y. Hilton walk. Um, but but that O line that they got is gonna keep Wentz upright. They they're gonna keep Wentz upright. So uh, that's another one. You got to put your pen in that one. And everybody got to watch the Colts next year. If he stays healthy, the Colts going to do it. Old man Rivers couldn't throw the ball 25 yards. Nah, he couldn't. You know what? I actually thought Rivers was going to come back this year. This year coming. I thought he was going to come back. I didn't think he was going to retire. Not even going to lie to you. But uh, if, if you send Russell Wilson to the Raiders, I'll take it one out. I'd even try Mariota. Let him come here and compete for the job. Uh, I'll try Derek Carr. Uh, you send him to Chicago. Um, hell, everybody say, let's go get Dak. We ain't got enough money to get Dak. We already paying Alex Smith a ton of money. We ain't got enough money for Dak. And the amount of money that Dak wants, Dak can't come to Washington for that type of money because we don't have that type of money. And I don't want to invest that type of money into a quarterback that pretty much is good, but we ain't got the tools that he need. We got the running back. We got the receivers, but we ain't got the O-line he got in Dallas. Dak could be running for his life. He's capable of doing it, but he'd be running for his life here until we get that O-line straight. And I think that's what we need to focus on before we start going out, getting a quarterback and paying him a king's ransom. We need a... A a a a O line. So um last but not least, let me see. I got to Alex Smith, Cam Newton, uh Bruce Allen being a snitch <laughs> on Daniel Snyder, uh the suspension of the first ladies of football. Now, last but not least, uh head coach, former head coach, I should say, former offensive coordinator. My point exactly. Sando just checked in. If he can't win with all Dallas O-line, how's he going to be better anywhere else? Now, granted, and I tell Cowboy fans this all the time, 13-3 and three looks really, really good on paper, but it means absolutely nothing when you get in the playoffs and you piss the bead and you lose. You, you won the division. You got the first round by. And in a divisional round, a team like Green Bay, who's a wild card team that year, comes in and stomps a mud hole in you and walks the sun bitch dry. It's no way in four hills that should ever happen. Tony Romo 2.0. I agree. I agree. Regular season, Tony Romo was on fire. When it came down to playoffs, Tony Romo could not win a playoff game. He couldn't do it. But because I'm a Washington football team fan, formerly a Washington Redskins fan, I was a hater when I said this. When they came out of the gate, not last season, I believe it was year before last, they came out of the gate 3-0. We going to the Super Bowl. We going to the Super Bowl. As somebody that has said that so many times, you know, when Washington started 7-1 with Gus Farratt running around yelling, we going to the Super Bowl. We going to the Super Bowl. 
only to go one and seven in the second half of the season. The bottom fell out. I said to all Cowboy fans, pump your brakes. It's just three and oh, these are three games you're supposed to win. Oh, we going to the Super Bowl. We going to the Super Bowl. Next thing you know, y'all didn't even make the playoffs. And I said, I told you, pump your brakes. Stop saying things like that because you win three games you're supposed to win. I had a San Francisco fan, my high school classmate and friend, Ebony. She was a San Francisco fan. I was like, you're getting amped up about a win that you're supposed to get as good as you are. Tony Romo fumbled snaps in the playoffs. Yeah, he did. He fumbled that. Uh, they had a chance to beat Seattle. And he fumbled the snap. What was that? The 07 playoffs? I believe it was. 06, 07 playoffs. Fumbled the snap. But Dallas has a trait. Dallas can't win in late November, December. They can't win in, in January. They can't do it. No more uh no more championships until Jerry Jones dies. He's out with the other owners. Yeah, he's the new Al Davis. I can see that. And the thing about Al Davis, the game passed Al Davis by. And that's all it was. The game he he was still focused. You know, Al Davis thing was the vertical game. You know, you you got to come you come to the Raiders. You know, you you got to be able to throw the ball. You got he wanted guys that can throw the ball a country mile. He wanted receivers that were fast that could run under it. He wanted to get another Cliff Branch. He wanted another Fred Belitnikov. He wanted uh, Dave Casper, you know, as his tight end to be the, the, the release valve in the middle. He wanted those things, but you wanted those things in the 90s, in the early 2000s. I mean, Darius Hayward Bay could run his ass off. Merlin product out of, out of the University of Maryland. He's a Turk could run his ass off but couldn't run a route to save it he wanted him because he could run jamarcus russell because he could throw the ball deep he had a strong arm he had a cannon but he was not a student of the game that's the problem jerry jones is more concerned he he screwed himself over and i've said this many times <laughs> Jamarcus Russell could throw the ball five miles. Uh, I might even say seven. Was it accurate? Not all the time, but he just wasn't a student of the game. But Jerry Jones messed himself up because when he had Jimmy Johnson, they won back-to-back Super Bowls. And, you know, that's when they started putting the cameras in the war rooms during the draft. And, you know, he would pick up the phone and be like, let me know when you're coming back. And he'd pick up the phone, act like he's making deals and stuff. And, you know, he wanted to get the, the 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 recognition and notice for building those teams, but that was the front that was scouting Jimmy Johnson and his coaching staff, not ownership. But he couldn't get past that. He wasn't getting the credit. That's where he messed himself up. If Jimmy Johnson is winning me football games, Jimmy Johnson winning me championship after championship, I'm not messing with that formula. And this is how I've always felt. As an NFL owner, I want to hire the guys that know what I don't know. I will sit in on the meetings. I ain't got nothing to say. I just want to sit there and be a part of it. 
being here is good enough for me, but I hired you to do a job. I expect you to do the job I paid you for. Jimmy Johnson did it. But because Jimmy Johnson did his job so well, Jerry Jones is mad about it. So he fired him, brung in Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer didn't have no daggone discipline on those teams. He won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's guys. So Jimmy Johnson essentially has three Super Bowl rings. But after that, after that, they never drafted a replacement for Michael Irvin. They didn't draft a replacement for Emmitt Smith. Didn't draft a replacement for Troy Aikman. Didn't draft a replacement for Jay Novacek. You never drafted players or you never signed players to say, you know what, this guy's getting older. How much longer does he have? Let me bring in somebody so I can get them acclimated. You never brung in quality players to replace the legends that you were losing due to age and retirement. And in Emmett's case, once he got the rushing record as a cowboy, he was no use to Jerry Jones anymore. So Jerry Jones dropped him like a hot brick. Let him go out the dag on Arizona. He still had a couple good games out in Arizona. But that's where Jerry Jones messed himself up at. And he has never won since he did that. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1995. 1995. Well, the 95 season, it was 1996. Haven't been to a Super Bowl. Why? Because Jerry Jones' ego is so damn big. It stands in front of the Super Bowl venue that they can't get to it. Because his ego does not let them do it. The Cowboys are the Knicks of the NFL. They just need to be slightly competitive. You're absolutely right. When they got Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, we got freaky Zeke. You like Dak. And they win a few games. That first year, they go 13-3. and And then Green Bay comes into Dallas and says, all right, you a big gorilla. What you do to a gorilla? You punch him in the mouth. And he punched him in the mouth. 2016, punched him in the mouth. Get up out of here. Bye. That's it and that's all. Cowboy fans are delusional. They're still living in the past. And I'll say that. And it's not a Cowboy fan, not many Cowboy fans that can tell me otherwise. So Jerry Jones, I know I just went off on a whole tangent. It's supposed to be D.C. Sports Rundown. But when we talking D.C. and we got a lot of Cowboy fans as listeners, I ain't got no problem telling you the truth about yourself. And the Cowboys are the most expensive franchise in, in sports. What are they, $4 billion now? Worth $4 billion? Because I remember at one point in time, Washington was ahead of them, and Washington was $900 million. I think they were eight eighty, And then they overtook Washington for number one. I think Washington made it up to a billion. They worth more than Washington. And I, I never understand it, but everybody is Cowboy fans. People can't even name half the people that play for the Cowboys currently. And they're cowboy fans. Who cares about winning if you're four billion? Yeah, yeah. If you're worth four billion dollars, who 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 cares? Who cares? Now I will say that about Jerry Jones as a businessman. He is a a shrewd businessman. He's smart. Uh, but when it comes to sports business, he got to let people that know the game run the team. And I mean that's just how it goes. But I, I, I look when you start talking about Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that bait all day long and run with that because I have my own feelings about the Cowboys and how their organization is run. Because, and I agree wholeheartedly, until Jerry Jones relinquishes control or passes away, Cowboys are never going to win anything because he can't get out of his own way. That's it. That's all. Now, jumping back to uh, D.C., Jay Gruden been a chatty Cathy, uh, talking about his time here in D.C., and, you know, now he's, after one year on the job as Jacksonville Jaguars coordinator, you know, he, he working on his golf game, talking about times here in, uh, in D.C., and he talking about, he said something about not wanting Dwayne Haskins. It wasn't because of Haskins being, uh, mm, I'll say he wasn't, uh, he's not saying that Haskins wasn't uh, skillful. He didn't want Haskins. I think he wanted Daniel Jones. Uh, But Daniel Snyder made the pick. And it was guys that, and I know this is true because it was guys that were in the same room, uh, AJ Smith's son, uh, uh, damn, they just let him go. But uh, he was here. He stood on the table and was like, this is not the pick we should make. Daniel Snyder said, I want Dwayne Haskins. So the owner made the pick. Now Dwayne Haskins is a part of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers organization. So we see how that pick went. He talked about um, just Daniel Snyder just coming in off his yacht making picks. And it makes me look at Daniel Snyder in the same light that I did a few years ago, because I thought he actually had started taking his hands off of the football side of the organization, but apparently not. Uh, I thought that's why he hired Bruce Allen and Scott McLuhan for a little while. So he didn't have to worry about that, but he is turning into Jerry Jones. He has to get credit for everything. He has to put his nose in business that does not belong to him. I mean, yes, it's his team, but sometimes, just like I said before, if I pay a guy to build me a winning franchise, I need to let that guy or gal do their job. I need to keep my hands off it so I can see what they're doing. I shouldn't have to coach them into doing what I want. No. If you're going to build a winner, build it. You just tell me how much I need to pay out. Either I'm going to agree to it or I'm not. Nine times ten, if I want a winner, I'm going to agree to it because I can make the money back ten to twenty-fold. Daniel Snyder does not do that at times. Uh, he talks about the kneel down back in, uh, what was that, 2016? And Kirk Cousins inexplicably took a knee. And the reason why... Kirk took a knee, and I remember this game. Everybody was like, "Why did you on a six-yard line?" Kirk takes a knee and goes into the half against the Eagles because Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon did not want to run the damn play. I'm like, "Are you daggone serious? Are you serious?" I, I, I oh, there was no discipline here at all under Jay Gruden. Sando says, hire people to tell you what to do. Otherwise, do it yourself. Yeah? Yeah? If, I, if I'm if i the owner, 
and I got to hire a GM. Okay, my GM. All right. Take care of this. Build the team. So he has to hire the coaching staff. Well, he has to hire the head coach. The head coach hires the coaching staff and so on and so forth. Get the best product that we can get on the field. That's it. But it seems like that's a, a, a foregone concept here in Washington. Um, But Jay Gruden talks about Deshaun uh, Jackson and uh, Pierre Garçon not wanting to run the play because Pierre didn't like running back shoulder face. And I love Pierre Garçon. I really do. I, I, I love him because I love him for his time here. I love him for what he did in Indianapolis. Um, but if I'm a coach, if I'm a head coach, even if I'm a coordinator and I got a player telling me, oh, I don't like running this particular route. I don't give a shit if you like it or not. I, I don't care if you like running this route, run the daggone route and leave it at that. You know, this is the play that was called run it. You don't want to run it fine. Okay. I'll deal with you later. But just the things that, that Gruden was talking about, um, you know, Kirk Cousins took the the, the fall for this, and uh, it, it, it was it's just bad. It, it was bad. Um, just Gruden talked about uh, Tony Romo, and he's not that good, and he, you know, Tony Romo is only right thirty percent of the time, and Things like that. Uh, I'm just, I'm wondering what made Gruden so much of a chatty Kathy to do this. But uh, <laughs> this, this is crazy. He he had this conversation on the Kevin Sheehan show podcast. Uh, Kevin Sheehan, one of our inspirations here at Sideline Junkies. Uh, you can hear him on Team 980 in the mornings uh i just i don't understand why gruden decided to be a chatty kathy there but hey it is what it is but uh i would have had to rip uh uh uh, what's his name um deshaun jackson and pierre garçon i'd have had to rip them a new one for that I'm, i'm sorry i am sorry we 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 not playing that game we 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 you're not gonna tell me what you want to run, what you don't want to run. We we're not doing that. If I called the play, run it the way I called it. Now it's different if you say to me, "Well, I don't think that this is a this this is a good play to run right here." I can dig that. I can dig that. We can try something else. But to tell me that you don't run it, want to run it because you don't like the route. You don't like your job, neither. Cut. But that's me. I'm drastic like that. Yes, that was one of my best receivers, but I have to make a point. I have to make an example to get eyes on me to know that I'm not playing around. Jimmy Johnson used to say something. He said, you know, as long as you're making tackles, I love you. Once you stop making tackles, I don't love you no more. With my receivers. You catching passes, getting yak yards, I love you. Once you don't do that anymore and you start complaining, you want to be a diva, I don't love you no more. You are expendable to me. That's it and that's all. Now, 
Last but not least, I found this, and I, I thought this was funny. Now, Cam Newton said there aren't 32 quarterbacks better than me. Somebody came up with a list and said 32 quarterbacks I'd rather have. Andrew Luck, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Joe Barrow, Marcus Mariota, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, Carson Wentz, uh, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Johnny Manziel. Now, out of all the quarterbacks, the 32 quarterbacks that was named there, one quarterback that's absent from that, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that's crazy. But out of those 32 quarterbacks, I don't see 32 of those quarterbacks better than Cam Newton. I'm just saying, not because I'm a uh, a, a, a Cam Newton fan or anything like that, but, I mean, I, I agree with Cam. It's not 32 quarterbacks in the league that's better than him, so he will not be on the street long. But keeping it D.C., um, let's check in with the Caps real quick before we get out of here just to see what they're doing. And it's still... 1-0-424, second period. Cap still up. Let's hope they can pull that out. You know, it's all about rocking the red. Hit that red light district one more time, Caps, and we can pull this out and just play some defense. So, but that is all my time. Uh, you will hear this melodious voice again on Saturday with the People's Choice Don Rodriguez with the Nubian Sumo on the Saturday night, Saturday night WrestleManiacs. So thank you to everyone that joined. Thank you to everyone that listening. If you listen to this on the replay, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you're listening to, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continuing support. Don't forget if you have... Any questions, comments, you want to discuss a topic, you want to even come on and have a little conversation and see what we think about something. Hit the email, sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. That is sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. And that is all one word, sidelinejunkies, all one word, with the 24-7, all one word, all right? So, that's it. That's all. That is the end of it. I don't do no overtime. I am the big guy, KG. Once again, thank you for listening. Peace, love, and blessings. I am out of here.